Death is such an interesting thing. Or rather, the desire for humans to try to supersede death or live as long as possible. Where does that come from, right? Why do we have this intrinsic desire to live longer? Why do scientists look for cures for illnesses so that it can prolong life? What is the point, right? If there is no God, if we don't have eternal souls, if all of this is untrue, where does that intrinsic desire come from? Hi, I'm Allie Marie. This is My Catholic Perspective. We are starting our Plentin journey today where I am uploading a podcast every day of Lent. It is new to me. I have not had a podcast before. I've done YouTube, done TikTok, done Instagram, done Facebook. I've been there, done that, and all that stuff. And now I'm here figuring out RSS links and everything else. And I'm also here helping you and myself understand St. Thomas Aquinas' natural law theory even more. Two years ago, we dove into the book uh, Beyond the Natural Law, which was a very intense law book that I did upload every day during Lent up until the end. I don't even think I ever ended up finishing that book, which I know Peter was still anxiously awaiting me finishing that book. And I said, hey, how about we start this new book instead? Because it's only two pages a day instead of a whole chapter, whole paragraphs and pages and five pages. It was just way too much. So so I've narrowed that down a little bit, and now we get to talk about today on Ash Wednesday, what is death? We die to ourselves. We're called to honor God with our lives, with our bodies. The paradox of the gospel in and of itself is that if we die to ourselves, we will experience life and life abundantly. How does that even work? How do we conflate? How can we pull together life and death in the same sentence that by dying to self, we will achieve life. Why is it that we want to live forever? In this chapter on death, um, it it's interesting because of how death entered the world, right? We, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches natural law, which is how did God intend the world to be had sin never entered it. So if Eve had not given into the temptation of the snake, of Satan, how would the world have played out? What was it that God always intended? Obviously, with sin, with original sin, there was an entrance of sickness and death to the body, um, which uh, St. Thomas Aquinas addresses here that death is natural to the body to the man as a penalty that it was through the loss of privilege whereby man was preserved from dying that our body was but death is not natural to the soul because our soul is eternal so what is the soul how do we define the soul well let me tell you i had to look up a video that I had done a couple years back about the soul from Beyond the Natural Law because there are three components. It's understood to be several different ways in philosophy. Aristotle is who I was really drawn to in that particular book that we had read um, that talked about the three components of the soul, which are nutritive, sensory, and intellect. And basically, this follows a path where you have plants that have the nutritive state. They 
desire nourishment. They seek nourishment from the soil, water, sun to grow. They are just, they are solely nutritive. Then you go to animals, the next step up, right? Where they also have sensory. They look for um, their their existence. They have instincts, the ability to remove and or to move and respond to things. So then you have this sensory aspect too. They're also nutritive. They need food. They need sustenance. They need warmth. They need to survive. Um, but then they also have this sensory aspect. And then when you get to humans, that final step where that third piece is there, there. You then also have intellect. You gain the ability to reason. You have all of these things that start, you, you have the logic, right? We can form communities. We can have government. We have structure. We are able to reason. We're able to act against our instincts in certain instances. We're able to have self-control and discipline. We're able to commune with God. We are made in him, his image. We are made to love. And there is a different level in our intellect that brings us above the animals and the plants. So where does that take us with the soul? My understanding of the soul is that it contains those three components. We, in Eastern philosophy, you see the mind-body-spirit connection. You have the basic self, higher self, and conscious self. You have these three different pieces. So many different places have three different elements to comprise personhood, to comprise what uh, these philosophers and what I would understand to be the soul. Which, what else do we know that has three components in one person, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father, well, actually, we'll start with the Holy Spirit, right, who is nutritive. That is very, like, seeking nourishment. You, it, the, the nutritive state unfolds the structure of the plant. It is the foundation of who and what something is. So the, the spirit, our spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is what is going out into the world. We, you know, it is what has descended into the world due to Jesus's presence here on earth. And then you have the sensory aspect. You have the body. So you have the, the, the Holy Spirit. You have the son who is the body, the body of Christ, who is sensory. You start having this ability to move, respond. You can go, you can move, you can, you know, act on instinct, do these things. And you can also sacrifice, right? That is an option that some um, species have where they'll sacrifice something else in order to preserve their own life or preserve the life of their child and sacrifice themselves. Um, Not child, right? (laughs) Their baby, animal, whatever it might be. And then you have the father who is all wisdom and all knowledge, the intellect, the one that has all the logic, the one who sees how everything is made, the fullness of science, the fullness of truth, all of these pieces in the intellect. So you have this father, son, and Holy Spirit situation where in philosophy it is fully backed in these nutritive century and intellect places. You have the mind-body-spirit connection, which is probably the most popular of the, the triune understanding of the person, of what a person comprises of, where you have, you know, the mind, your mind, your body, the spirit. They're all tied together, and you're just the one person. And in reading this, too, I was really reflecting on what it means to be human. 
you have a human development, right, that starts as an embryo or a zygote even, go earlier. So you begin as a zygote where you're solely nutritive. You're looking for sustenance. You're reliant on a blood supply through the placenta, through the umbilical cord, which is the only organ in the body that grows for itself and then the body gets rid of and then can grow again. And it's the only... Um, organ that does that in the body. It's pretty cool. But um, but so the nutritive state exists as the, the human being initially begins. There's not a sensory piece quite yet until about, what, 18, 20 weeks gesta- gestation um, where they are able to, you know, respond, move a little bit. They, you know, respond to stimuli if they end up you know, you have the baby that tries to get away from the Doppler when you're trying to get their heartbeat because they don't like how it feels, something pushing against them. You have a give and take situation where they're able to kind of have instincts and move and respond to what's happening to them. So you're gaining the sensory aspect. And then as the child gets even older, starting, you know, however old, they start smiling at six weeks, two months, whatever it might be, you start getting this intellect, you start getting this advanced awareness, you know, they start learning, oh, no, you can't have that six months, eight months, nine months, a year, 18 months for sure, two years, you have these three components of what comprises a person, which ultimately comprises of their soul, that eternal desire We have an eternal desire to live forever. And I was even, I don't know if I was reading it here or in this book, in Aquinas' Lenten Meditations or elsewhere, but it was this understanding. No, it was St. Thomas Aquinas, but it was something I was reading in conjunction to this reading, um, which was that because we contain an awareness of the eternal, then we therefore would desire it. If we don't know that something exists, then we can't desire it right? So a plant doesn't know that eternity exists. So it doesn't necessarily have an intrinsic desire to live forever. Um, It is just solely nutritive. If you give it soil, you give it sunlight, you give it water, it's going to live. It doesn't have the mental capacity to say, hey, I want to live forever and everything else. Um, And that's not to say that we shouldn't treat our earth with compassion and stewardness, right? We're, we're placed on earth to be stewards of the earth and to care well for it because it doesn't take a reciprocal situation to love something, to love someone, to will the good of something else. It doesn't need reciprocity, right? You can simply, I can have a book and say, I want to take good care of the things that I have, And so I'm going to take care of it, even if it thinks nothing of me. (laughs) Um, Or in the case of some people, even if they have a negative opinion of me, I can still will the good for them and still pray for God's mercy on their soul as much as I pray for God's mercy on my own. But this desire to live forever, the desire to not die, um, the fact that death is a fear for so many people, that exists because we have a soul. That exists because God has placed that intrinsically in our hearts to desire him, to long after him, and then ultimately to be in communion with him for eternity. That's what he longs for all of us. That's what he wants us to pursue and what he wants us to see when we look in the mirror, that we would see the image of God, that we would long for our mind to grow, to be a perfect reflection of the Father, so we could grow in perfect logic and wisdom 
that the Father possesses, that our bodies would be offered as a sacrifice, that we would long for our bodies to become more like Jesus' body, and that our spirit would become more as the Holy Spirit, that it would exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For such there is no law. There is no law that can force you or that can hold you accountable to exuding those fruits of the Spirit. It is only from the grace of God. It is only from seeking perfecting that image. It's only from seeking what it is that God has to offer us in holy scripture, in holy tradition, in all of these pieces. It is only through seeking those things that the Lord can truly dwell in our heart of hearts and offer us that life and life abundantly that he offers us. He, he makes all things good in his time for those who love him. So if you choose him, if you choose to walk these 40 days and 40 nights in the desert with Jesus Christ, he will reward that. He will give you a glimpse into his natural law, what it is that he always intended for you. What he always intended for you. But you have to want it. And you have to want to submit to him and desire that closeness and desire what it is that he has to offer you. That's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. I am leading a more private discussion on all of this on Patreon if you'd like to join us over there. But otherwise, just God bless you and I look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow. Take care.